Hello, Horror Fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen, and we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh, oh the, the Horror. Horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe or follow to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. You can check our website out at ohthehorrorpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Connect to our social media link. So, 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 so media. So, so media link. It sounded like you were saying so, so media. And yeah. I have to say, it is. I know, agree. Yeah, it is it a sticks. so, so media. Yeah. So you can connect to our so, so media links. And uh, yeah, catch our whole catalog. Season one, season two, catch up. Yeah. All that uh, sweetness. Yeah. Yeah. You can do those things. How you doing? Um, well, my fingernails are popping off, so mm. I got that going for me. That's fun. Yeah. Just on their own or? Well, you know, you look at it or what you is... touch something and. Clink. You're like, what the, what the yeah. heck happened? <laughs> I was taking stuff out of the dryer and I'm like, I didn't even touch anything. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I didn't even do it yet. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, mm-hmm. fine. Be that way. Yeah. I didn't yeah. like you either. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are, because this is a deep one. Oh. Episode yeah. 126. And what do we have today? Synonym, the cult. <laughs> <laughs> Man. I got a bunch of them. <laughs> I tell you. I started uh, reading this up when I was in the, the cabin. On my Frank just got back from Frank's big vacation. <laughs> yeah. What did Frank get upon entering destination of vacation? A speeding ticket. Because Frank didn't make a good choice. I, You know what? <laughs> I have a problem that I'd like to submit up to Google. The geniuses of Google. I'm yes. using their GPS on my phone. Uh-huh. And they'll have the speed limit if it's 55 miles an hour or higher. Mm-hmm. But here I am in town, no speed limit. No speed limit on there. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I am. I don't know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at that. I've been doing 55, 65 the whole time. Yep. I do 53 right past a state trooper in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. Yeah. So I see... The car right there, pull over instantly. Yep. The car's not even out of the spot where it yeah, was Yeah, she trapped. hasn't even pulled out yet. You know, yeah. well, there's the part right there. I hate to say <laughs> it, but it's fucking true. I figured I pulled over right away. I think I'm going to get a little leniency on this. No. And then she comes walking right out of the car, and I'm like, nope, I ain't getting shit. Nope. Do you know why you're going so fast? I said, yeah, I'm not familiar with the area. I'm here for the week. Yeah. You know, meeting up some buddies. We're playing golf over here. Mm-hmm. We we came last year. Yeah. You know, okay, can I have your license registration? Have it all there. Yep. Hand it over. She goes walking back to the car, comes back. Here's your ticket, 53 miles an hour and a 30. It's like, thanks. Thanks a lot. If you'd like to appear, you have to come to this date. And I was just, you know, I'm sitting there in my mind like, yeah, I'm coming back here. 
coming back here to the town of 1,200 people. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it was a nice place to visit. Everybody was nice. But you don't want to go for an appearance ticket there. No. No. So I'm going to do what everybody else does, get an attorney. Yeah. Let the attorney handle that. Here's my abstract. No points, please. Yeah. You know, and they get their fee. Everybody gets their fee, except me. I don't get my fee. Yeah. I know. Make good choices. (laughs) Sure. All right, let's get into this hot box. Man, what do you got for sources? Just one. Really? L.A. Mag. Really? Synanon Cult. Synanon? Synanon, my favorite <laughs> spice. I, uh, let's see. Oh, I went to my old favy, culteducation.com. Oh. Oh, yeah, if you're into cults, go to culteducation.com. Fair enough. Tons of cults in there. I'm sure. Oh, it's a library. Um, you know, for goons like me, it's like it's Nirvana. You know. I'd go in and be like, "This is just sad." So many people, yeah. <laughs> so many cults. And then I also checked out uh, as as far as I was willing to go, <laughs> synanon.org. Yeah, uh, they have a uh, if if uh, <laughs> you know you're an idiot like me. Here it is. Look at how uh, advanced that is. Doesn't that look like a nice early 1990s website right there? I'm actually surprised there there still is one. Synanon, the people business, it says. Mm. Synanon Museum. Uh, so they have a login screen here. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't have a user ID uh, and a password, uh, please click to sign here. So I'm like, well... How do I get in? How do I get in the uh, the bit? And uh, this is for their former former Synanon residents only. Yeah. Please respect our privacy, they say, which I thought was pretty funny as we are about to dive in because these guys didn't give a fuck about anybody's privacy. No. Um, and it's for former Synanon residents. They'd like you have like to have you on the site. They have uh, 1,845 former residents already listed on the site, most with email addresses and parts of their uh, personal stories. They have uh, 4,487 pictures of people, places, and things from Synanon's earliest days up through pictures as we are today. In addition, we have links to personal and business websites. I hope they're more modern than this thing. Poetry, I really wanted to read that. <laughs> extended stories, synonym history, email lists, etc. Uh, registering will allow you to see all this and upload pictures, update your personal listing, and see our email addresses. Uh, but you'll have to accept cookies. So they have this thing here where it's uh, a few names you may know, and they're showing pictures, and they got the names and all that stuff. And, uh, of course, they look all happy. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you a former synonym resident? Yes or no? If not, you can't register. Right. You know. <laughs> okay. You know, so I clicked yes, and uh, I went to continue. And then there's this uh, this form Yeah. that was built by Dave back in 92. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, your first name you used when you were in Synanon. Last mm-hmm. name you used when you were in Synanon. Uh, please set your spam blocker to allow email from, I'm not going to say their name. Mm-hmm. Cause they have, 
it's so funny. It's it's their name plus their their first name and last name dot com. You know, for an email. Yeah. So they actually bought the domain for that. Good on you. Uh, your guess. dates, uh, when you entered, uh, dates, uh, if you split, which we'll get into split mm-hmm. later. And uh, please name some friends or people you knew or hung out with in Synanon, at least one. Which is funny, because you could just go back to the names of some of these people look familiar, and bang, Bob's yeah. your uncle. And then uh, what did you do in Synanon? Check as many as apply. Sales team, supply, general office, food service, ATC, school, punk squad, basic training, construction, or other. And then uh, finally, there's a, uh, a, but before we can approve you, we'd like to know something about your Synanon experience. Put in some of your story, where you lived, who your peers were, etc. All this is so we can recognize you as a fellow resident and not just a nosy Parker. <gasps> Think of it as demonstrating, and we'll get into the whole demonstrating thing. Yeah. Wow. I really wanted to break into that, uh, but I just didn't have the time. Yeah. You know, because yeah. some of us had to go and get a speeding ticket. So... Well, that's uh that's one of my sources and then uh yeah cult cult uh cult education. So, fair enough. Yeah. You want to well, kick this uh firecracker off or <laughs> Yes. Yeah, okay. As with most cults, Synanon started out innocuously enough. They were filling a need with regard to drug rehabilitation, which believe it or not is an a fairly new concept. Their intent oh, yeah. was to help answer some of the nagging questions regarding addicts. Such as, how long should addicts stay in inpatient care? What are the most effective treatment methods? Should patients be medicated? These, que- these questions have lingered since the beginnings of modern addiction treatment. Well into the 1950s, addicts were considered hopelessly incurable. If they were treated at all, it was by doctors and hospitals. More often than not, though, they were sent to jail. So, Synanon... Synanon Toast Crunch <laughs> changed all that. <laughs> There's just so many of them. It's <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be serious. Okay. <clears throat> no, not the first rehab. Synanon did much to convince the American public that addicts could be saved. It pioneered the idea of the ex-addict as drug counselor and of tough love therapy, and it invented a culture of recovery to replace the culture of street junkies. Members went on to found or play key roles in establishing numerous drug treatment centers and therapeutic communities of their own, including Tum Est in Venice, Delancey Street in San Francisco, Amity in Tucson, Phoenix House in New York City, and Daytop Village in Queens, New York. In turn, graduates of those programs would go on to start their own facilities, carrying with them traces of the Synanon approach. Mm. So, Synanon light, so, if you will. Sprinkling <laughs> a little Synanon here, a little Synanon there. Yeah. And maybe you get a little cinnamon on your coffee. You get a little little cinnamon on your oatmeal. Get a little cinnamon and sugar pop tart. 
Yeah. Yeah. A little cinnamon and sugar on yeah. your on your toast. I used to eat a ton of brown sugar and uh, or what was it? Brown sugar pop tarts or cinnamon. There's a there's a brown sugar, and, brown sugar and cinnamon. Yeah, pop tart. Oh, I used to crush those. Strawberry. Yeah. Frosted strawberry. Yeah, easily you're a frosted strawberry. Yeah. Yeah. Until until yeah. they came out with s'mores. Yeah, s'mores. Everybody had their own until s'mores came out. And then you put those fuckers in the freezer, and yeah. you just ate them like the candy that they were. See, that's where I felt like a rube <laughs> when uh, I met you, and you are like, oh, we were walking by, and we were waxing poetic on them, and you were like, you put those in the freezer. I'm like, I never did that. And that's where you were like, conk, bag, grab the box in there. <laughs> And then what did I do? I like caught up on the last 20 years of not eating s'mores pop tarts in the freezer. And I did it in like six months <laughs> yeah. where I was just eating like three boxes a week. I mean, they're good. They're, good. Yeah, they're, they're really good. good out of the yeah. freezer, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So who to- started all this? We're getting there. Oh, okay. There was nothing quite like Synanon. Launched in a dingy Santa Monica storefront in 1958 by Charles, is it Diedrich or Dederich? I, I go Diedrich. Diedrich. They eventually oper, uh, operated centers up and down California, morphing into a utopian community, then a religion, then a cult, with more than $30 million in assets and upwards of 1,300 followers. True believers shaved their heads wore overalls, mm-hmm. and lived together at Synanon compounds, professing an almost slavish obedience to Diedrich, no matter how brutal his methods. So Paul Morantz was one of the few who tried to warn the world about Synanon. There's always that person. That's <laughs> just like, he hey, would be, man. He would be the first suppressive person, SP, yeah. for Synanon. Yeah. The journalist turned lawyer first sued the organization in 1977 on behalf of Francis and Ed Wynn, who claimed that Francis had been kidnapped, brainwashed, and tortured by the group, quote, for purposes of financial gain despite her emotional instability, end quote. They were awarded a $300,000 judgment. Morantz worked obsessively to get other members out, lobbying the Marin County supervisors and the State Department of Public Health to crack down on Synanon. He was scared because he knew Diederich was capable of violence. An apostate Synanon member had nearly been beaten to death. Morantz figured that his own name must be high on Diederich's hit list. Threatening phone calls were coming at all hours of the night, but what really concerned him was when the threats stopped. Mm -hmm. Morantz bought a shotgun, constantly looked over his shoulder, he checked under his car for bombs before getting in. He was exhausted. So as Morantz returned to his small home in Pacific Palisades the evening of October 11th, 1977, he was eager to turn on the TV and relax over game one of the World Series, which was the Dodgers versus the Yankees. Quote, for one moment, I'm not going to think about Synanon, he told himself. I'm just going to watch the baseball game, end quote. Morantz placed his notebooks on the kitchen table and walked to the mail slot by his front door. Through the grill of the mailbox, he could see the outline of an unusually shaped package. A scarf, perhaps? It was hard to tell without his glasses. A fancy brooch? 
Marantz remembers not so much the pain as the rattlesnake uh, sank its fangs into his outstretched hand, mm. but the regret. Quote, they don't get me with this. I'm not that stupid, he was thinking. Then mm. he heard a scream and realized it was his own. The four and a half foot reptile, its rattler removed yeah. to keep it quiet, dropped to the floor and recoiled. Morant dashed out the back door yelling, quote, call the police, call an ambulance. I've been bitten by a rattlesnake. It's Synanon. Synanon got me. End quote. Word of the attack quickly went national. News anchor Walter Cronkite called it bizarre, even by cult standards. Mm. In time, Marantz would have his revenge, laying bare a grim tale whose genesis could be traced appropriately enough to an LSD experiment. A college dropout and a drunk, Charles Diedrich bounced from job to job, marrying, divorcing, and marrying again. Then he took part in, ex in an experiment at UCLA testing LSD as a cure for alcoholism. All right. Do you have when he was born? I do. <clears throat> All right. Speaking to an oral historian documenting Synanon's short story in 1962, Diedrich called it the most important single experience in my life, crediting the drug with unlocking a newfound confidence. Quote, I became a different person really and truly, he said. Everything that has happened to me since Synanon, everything, dates from that point. Born in 1913 in Toledo, Ohio, Diedrich was four when his alcoholic father died in a car accident. His mother raised him as a devout Roman Catholic. Quote, I believed, literally, that I would go to hell if I didn't go to church on Sundays, Diedrich recalled. But when he was 14, he read his stepfather's copy of H.G. Wells's The Outline of History and, quote, became a militant atheist almost overnight, end quote. Soon after, he began drinking. Easily bored, <clears throat> Diedrich wasn't one for learning or for working. He spoke in a growl, was overweight, the right side of his bulldog face drooping from a near-fatal bout of meningitis at 29. Diedrich came out west to Santa Monica at 40. Yeah, so quickly here, because I always do things timeline-based, and you pop all over the place, which just, you know, goes to further show. We never plan these things. No. But. So I, I want to reiterate a bit. So, again, he was four when his father died in an auto crash. His mom was an accomplished pianist. Mm -hmm. And um, she made him the family male figure and her favorite. Got to include these things because they all have the same freaking cookie cutter approach. It's it's almost boring at this point. <laughs> we should do so, a song, Mothers Don't Let Your Sons Grow Up to Lead a Cult. Mom, leave your sons alone. Yeah. Period. Let them be boys. Yep. Just let them do. It's going to sound gonna crazy. Yeah. It's going to sound like they're going to kill themselves. But they, they figure it out. Mm -hmm. They go through. Mm -hmm. Give them a little male role model to be around. Mm -hmm. And and in 20 years, they'll figure it out. Yeah. They don't. Boys and girls are different. Sorry, folks. I blew the lid on it. <laughs> so uh, at age eight, his youngest brother died of influenza, and he felt guilty and responsible because he was made the to male be, figure. Yeah. And it's just too much pressure for an eight-year-old. So he would never bond with kids again yeah. as a result of this, yep. uh, including his own um, until they became adults. Yeah. Um, at age 12, his mother remarried and uh, 
uh, Diedrich went on a jealous rage and turned to drinking, mm-hmm. uh, just getting into trouble. Uh, he flunked out of Notre Dame for lack of effort and worked for the Mellon family. He married, but drinking ended it. Uh, he was saved from meningitis in the 1940s by the discovery of penicillin. Uh, and that's where he uh, received a droopy eye and a facial mm-hmm. tick. Uh, this point, he decides to move to Santa Monica and basically become a beach bum. Yeah. That's what he was looking to do. Uh, yeah. He got a job at Hughes Tools. He remarried, but alcohol did that marriage in too. Uh, yeah. And he was found passed out on a kitchen floor and was told, um, if you don't go to alcohol uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, you'll die. Yep. Um, and so this is where he becomes a, uh, like a AA favorite yeah, speaker. Yeah, he does. He, um, he was 40 when he came out to Santa Monica. His second marriage was in mid-collapse. He floundered for three years in the ocean breeze before walking into his first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. Partway through, Diedrich marched to the podium and shared with the group. People listened. They laughed. They applauded. Diedrich was hooked. Quote, I went from one AA meeting to another every night, he told psychiatrist Daniel Casriel, one of a number of social scientists to write books on Sinanon in the 1960s. Quote, that's all I did. I was the first one to speak, and I'd speak all night unless they stopped me. End quote. After the acid experience or experiment in 1957, he was one year sober at the time, Diedrich became a voracious reader of philosophy and psychology. Looming especially large were the nonconformity espoused by Emerson and self-reliance and the utopian notions put forth by Thoreau and Skinner. Well, and also uh, keep it on the cult tip here. When he volunteered, um, it was for a Dr. Keith Dittman LSD experiment, as you were mentioning Mm -hmm. earlier. This is where he had this like cathartic breakthrough. Yeah. And then uh, he was understanding the world that good and bad were the same. Typical kind of LSD thing. And that's when he began, as you were saying, studying on his own Mm -hmm. uh, in a library. And the AA speeches uh, turned from these typical religious overtones to a psychology, uh, psychological philosophy slant. Yeah. Uh, Because people can say whatever they want. AA came from a religious background. It did. You know, um, just, Fun fact, most of the AA meetings in the beginning were held in, like, church basements. Mm-hmm. It's where it started from. Yeah. It started from, I think it started from two priests or something like that. But I believe they used I don't to be led by priests it, but, as well. Oh, yeah. Like, no, but it started from that yeah. environment. So, I, you know, people can say what they want. But um, so he gathered his own following in AA. Yeah, That's what did. was happening. And then, you know. He was living on $33 a week in unemployment checks, and that's when he began to taper off from AA. When other recovering alcoholics checked up on him, Diedrich would engage them in impromptu meetings, equal parts grad school symposiums and combative group therapy sessions. Those get-togethers became three-time weekly affairs, and that was really the beginning of Synanon. Then one day, a young heroin addict named Whitey Walker, fresh out of prison, joined the group. As he began inviting other, quote, dope fiends to the mix, the language grew coarser, the crosstalk more aggressive, and Diedrich loved it. The sessions became known as synonyms, a portmanteau of symposium or seminar 
and anonymous. Diedrich, who provided couches for people to crash on as they kicked heroin, would come to believe that addicts weren't full-fledged adults and shouldn't be treated as adults. The younger addicts took to calling him dad. When the gatherings grew too large for Diedrich's apartment, he leased a storefront in Ocean Park for $100 a month. The same year, 1958, the group incorporated as a nonprofit. Convinced that his creation was an innovation on par with the alphabet, Diedrich predicted it would be as famous as Coca-Cola. The city? They didn't see it that way. Its inspectors declared the building not up to code and had it raised. Diedrich moved his flock of 65 or so members to the old National Guard Armory building on the beach in Santa Monica, which drew the ire of neighbors. Q, not in the my not in my backyard. Yeah. Ten days after moving, Diedrich and three others were arrested for treating drug addicts without a license and, quote, operating a hospital in a residential zone, end quote, according to the LA Times. Apparently, Diedrich told reporters, we started saving lives on the wrong side of town, and he spent 25 days in jail. And thus began the media's decade-long enchantment with Synanon. Early on, the LA Times ran a two-part feature on the group. The Los Angeles Mirror published a four-part series, a 14-page photo spread in Life magazine hailing Synanon as, quote, a tunnel back into the human race, was followed by a glowing write-up in Time magazine, which repeated Diedrich's dubious claim that 80% of addicts treated by Synanon stayed clean. Reporters loved Diedrich, who proved eminently quotable. He would later be credited with coining the saying, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Yeah. Quote, crime is stupid, delinquency is stupid, and the use of narcotics is stupid, he told the New York Times. What Synanon is dealing with is addiction to stupidity, end quote. Not going to argue with that. Well, yeah, you know, but here it is. You know, they arrest him. Yeah. And they make him a hero. Yeah. You know. They murder and, him. And, of course, the news, you know, swells it right up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to just pause for a moment because, you know, again, the signs just kind of pop up all over the place. Mm -hmm. Here's a guy who's trying to help people with addiction. Mm -hmm. Let's get you on LSD. Yeah. Just, you know. It's kind of weird. What could go wrong? Well, <laughs> it's just, it's just stupid. It's like, I hear, I want to get you out of crime, <laughs> but you know what we're going to do today? We're going to steal a car. That's going to be your therapy. You know? Uh, I mean. Oh God. It's just, but there was a lot of people that were way into this guy. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, uh, Leonard Nimoy was into this guy. Robert Wagner. I mean, just, uh, it, it's crazy. And they would come uh, to Synanon to play what they called the game. Yeah. You know, yep. and the game was to basically uh, yeah, we're, we're getting into destruct it. themselves down yep. and, and tear themselves apart. Didn't even have to be true or not true, yeah. you know, just just tearing people apart. And then this so-called effort to build them, you know, right. it would help build yeah. themselves back up. So you had these people playing the game with ex-addicts and ex-hookers. So could you imagine Leonard Nimoy Walking into a room with a bunch of addicts playing the game. Yeah. It's like, how bored do you have to be with your life? You can do anything you want, and this is what you're going to do. Or. You know, or how fucking weird are you? Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, if you want to try out a character, what better place 
Oh, give me a break. Yeah. So Bill Lane was a 20-year-old junkie living in Brooklyn when his mother heard about Synanon on TV. Quote, there was no such thing as a drug rehab in those days, says Lane today. There was no help. You got busted. You went to prison. He arrived at the Santa Monica compound in 1962 with no money. Quote, when I first got there, I was sick. There was no medication. You kicked on the couch in the middle of the living room. I just got caught up in what was going on. In all honesty, I loved it. I had a fabulous experience. It saved my life. Every Saturday night, Synanon threw a huge party, open to the public, with a jazz band. It was the biggest thing in L.A., says Lane. But life centered around Synanons, which became known as games, or simply the game, where members would sit in a circle and call people out on their secrets, their dishonesties, their hypocrisies. Quote, I was terrified by them, fascinated by them, enjoyed them, hated them. I ran the whole gamut of emotions with those damn things, Betty Diedrich would later tell a Synanon interviewer. Before becoming Charles's third wife, Betty Coleman was a prostitute and a junkie. Quote, I think I stayed those first two or three days just out of total fascination, she said, of her first encounter with Synanon in 1959. Quote, I was sick as a dog. I was going through the usual withdrawal symptoms and everything, but I was just fascinated. I'd never been around addicts and such a strange motley lot, you know, people. It was a weird scene. I got caught up in it. Coleman would relapse a number of times, but she always returned and eventually married Diedrich. U.S. Senator uh, Thomas J. Dodd declared that Synanon could, quote, lead the way in the future to an effective treatment for not only drug addicts, but also criminals and juvenile delinquents, end quote. Social scientists flocked to see for themselves while Hollywood came out with the film Synanon in 1965, starring Edmund O'Brien as Charles and Eartha Kitt as Betty. I mean... Well, and the funny part is they say, oh, no, there was nothing like this going on out there. There was the source, like what? Uh-huh. Four blocks away. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you just can't beat late 60s, early yeah. 70s cults. I Especially mean, in California. There had to be there was a bunch some of sort of cult on every corner. I know. I was thinking about- They were about, like the Starbucks. I was thinking about this drive in here, mm-hmm. you know, back from my speeding ticket adventure. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking next uh, cult of the month, I'm going to do a list of cults that were just in California in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it just, there's there's a ton of them. Yeah. And, and we're not just talking like no-name ones. No. We're talking there like- There were some big ones. Big ones. Christian real sci- big ones. Christian science had yeah. a spot out there. The there source. was the source. There was- Sin and none. Sin none. Scratch. Yeah. No, I, you know, and it's just- Oh, anyhow, I- you know, even like 1967, he concludes like, uh, you know, the program, it wasn't a success. You know, all that stuff that they went through. Um, For nothing. You know, and it just kind of like ended this like concept of like uh, um, graduation. And uh, without any kind of, without continued peer pressure, uh, he was stating most ex-addicts res- reverted on leaving. So it was peer pressure at the end of the day. Yeah. That was keeping everyone there. Yeah. Which peer pressure is good in some areas. Right. I really do. But if that's your only 
If that's it. If that's your only shtick. Yeah. You know, this is going to go off the rails in a huge way. Yeah. If peer pressure is your only game and breaking people down. Yeah. 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 I just don't see. What could see, go wrong? I don't see where this could go bad. These are all good choices. So 10 years after its founding, Synanon boasted at least 1,100 members and was receiving $2.5 million a year in donations. That's crazy. It had $7 million worth of real estate in Santa Monica, West LA, San Diego, San Francisco, Tamales Bay, Reno, Detroit, New York City, and Puerto Rico. I mean... And they owned a number of gas stations, ran a million-dollar-a-year specialty advertising business that sold pens and office supplies bearing the Synanon logo. Salesmen implored Fortune 500 companies to, quote, buy from Synanon and save a life, end quote. That's basically everyone donating about... $1,100, which back then was a lot of money. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just, uh, and, and here's the thing. They didn't have like crowdfunding or anything like that around. Like this is all word of mouth and all this other stuff that's going through. So you wonder how much of that did they pump the stars from? Yeah. You know, and where they just willy nilly dumped the money all out, you know. I wonder if it's, it's different. Like if you were like, say, a CEO or if you were a Leonard celebrity. Nimoy. Yeah. If you had a different dollar amount to that you would pay to be able to come in and play the game. Or if it was just like. No, but I mean, here's, like. Here's our you $5. See... Uh, Cover charge, yeah. but this is this is where I get at. Where like shit doesn't change no. in humanity. No, this is so elitist to say that all these stars were going there mm-hmm. to play the game with people who have real problems. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I mean, do you know how elitist you have to be to justify do you know how douchey that is? Yeah, that's like the douchiest yeah. thing you could fucking do. Yeah. I, I just, I, I remember reading this when I was researching. I'm sitting there in a cabin. And I'm reading. I'm like, yeah. holy crap. There were celebrities yeah. that were going through this mm-hmm. and basically playing the game with people who have real, real freaking problems. Yeah. And they have nothing. They have nothing, nothing. at all. Because if yeah. they had something, they wouldn't be there. Exactly. You know, yep. I mean, it just, oh, it was so heartbreaking. And it is heartbreaking. But to- babe, <laughs> it was a whole lot more positive than Everything else that was going on in 1970, says Phil Ritter, who oh, entered the Bay Area branch of Synanon, as, uh, I'm sorry, of Synanon <laughs> as a non-addict, or they called them squares. Squares, In yeah. search of an alternative lifestyle. Quote, there was a lot of drugs around, a lot of negativity. He sold his car, moved into the eight-story Synanon building in downtown Oakland, shaved his head, a practice that had begun as a punishment and a way to haze news newcomers, but quickly became more or less the norm. Yeah, one of us. One, one of, of us. us. Many Synanon members would appear with shaved heads as extras in George Lucas's dystopian science fiction film, THX 1138. I know. Uh, yeah. Working as a mechanic at a Synanon-owned auto repair shop, this dude made $50 a month. Few noticed... But the Synanon mission had been shifting. In 1969, 
the organization dropped the goal of, quote, graduation. From then on, addiction could be treated only by keeping addicts within the fold. Synanon began to welcome non-addicts, like Ritter too, and Diedrich suggested that he was, quote, getting out of the dope fiend business. He created the Punk Squad, a sort of boot camp devoted to disciplining juvenile delinquents sent to Synanon by their parents and the courts. And I know that's this is the thing to emphasize on here. So we no got a courts we got kids a, to them. We got to backpedal just a bit. I mean, these guys were the forefathers of modern day drug rehabilitation right now. Um, yes. So if you have opinions of whether drug rehabilitation centers are good or bad, these were the forefathers of it. There was nothing here. They were the pioneers, so to speak. It was these guys in AA. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, at, and this is where I say you can't knock AA. AA is still going strong. Yeah. Real strong, you know, and. Uh, and people who <clears throat> truly want to become clean nine times out of ten, they achieve that through. They're through AA. AA. You know, and and these uh, these other places are debatable. Yeah. You know, I mean, I always make the joke with, uh, you know, because I mean, man, talk about my old favorite show interventions yeah oh loved it absolutely it's loved horrible it. to say but if you want to feel good about yourself like if you think if you think you have things bad mm-hmm. just watch one episode and oh, all yeah. of a sudden you'll you'll put your whole life in and perspective. it's not even really with the addict you know you got the parents there that are just like uh, at the yep. end of the rope you yep. got the siblings the, the that family, are just like you know their children you know if the, there are any this, yeah the siblings are sitting there they're like you know oh i went and made something of myself and mm-hmm. this one's you know taking all the money from my parents and they mm-hmm. can't retire and yep. you know all this stuff and but Here's a stat that not a lot of people know. I mean, if you're familiar with interventions, it's basically they chronicle this person's life. Yep. And it's supposed to be a biography about them. That's what the drug addicted person, the substance yeah. uh, addicted person uh, thinks. So right. it's this whole ruse. And really what it is, is it all leads to this final interview that they're going to have. And they come in for the final interview and they walk in and it's your parents and your your it's, family. It's all your it's, loved ones your sitting su- there. Yeah, it's your support network yep. there. And they're going to read these letters. And, you know, they... The number of times the addict just sits there and they're like, oh. Yeah. The eye rolls. Yeah. And meanwhile, whoever is reading is crying, bearing out their soul, yeah. saying, you know, I don't want you to die. Like, I... I yeah. do love you. And the addict is like, oh, yeah. can I, can I go to the bathroom or I just got to go smoke a cigarette? This yeah. is too much. No. So, so the point is, is for them to, you know, they intervene and then the substance abuser has to make a choice. Yes. You know, uh, Going you can walk right, walk right not. out the door. You go into treatment. Now treatment is this five star rehabilitation center. Yeah. The best that money can buy. Yes. It's out in just like, it's it's a resort. It is. You know, and they have the top of the line uh, therapists. Yeah. They have the top of the line treatment centers. Yep. They have the trop, or top of the line uh, medication to it's detox. It's the best and of the best. It is literally <laughs> the best of the best. It's what stars have access to ask. Right. Yes. You know, it's yeah. a similar thing. And then I remember they uh, was reading something 
and they did the show, uh, you know, something like 13 years. Mm-hmm. They did this show, and then they did a tally on the success rate. Right. And it was fucking terrible. It was abysmal. It was literally terrible. It was something to the effect that 30% actually cleaned up. It was right. something like that. Yeah. Maybe even worse. Yeah. But like 70 to 80% of them went back. Yeah. And, and just... Because at the end of the day... In order for it to have a substantive change, Mm -hmm. the addict has to want to do it. There's so many factors. The addict has to want to do it, but also they can't go back to their old life. Exactly. At all. Yeah. They can't go back to any of that stuff. Because it's just like, you know, connect the dots. Mm -hmm. Bing, 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 bing. And you're right back into it. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of variables there with that. And so this is where... You know, Synanon, like I said, just focusing on this, the game Mm -hmm. and pure pressure. And then still. They they actually ended up marketing the game as a new kind of therapy. Yeah. And, and basically they started getting into this coercive persuasion. Yeah. And that's real brainwashing speak, you know, basically to just, you know, they get people in these, these, uh, these situations where they feel they have to stay. Mm Mm-hmm. And the ones that didn't want to stay, oh, they just got rid of them. Right. They just bounced them out of the program. Yeah. And it's like, you know, wait a second. You're here to help people, Mm -hmm. you know, and the ones that didn't want to stay, oh, no, we got to get them out of here because this is where it started to switch into Cultville. Yes. You know, so the, you know, it's, this is the typical recipe of the cult and it happens with every single one of them. Great idea. And it is, it's a great idea. And it, and it actually has some movement starts to work you got to get people through the door somehow but i mean it did start out with good intentions oh yeah what i'm getting at is is you don't poison the food the first meal they eat no you know you give them the good steak you give them all that stuff stuff. yeah and that's what it was they were sitting around and when they're all nice and complacent you give them the flavor well yeah (laughs) (laughs) but you just you get this point now where yeah he starts it out i want to help these people out yeah but then he's giving them more drugs and, you know, like it just starts spinning into this whole bit. And then you got to put the Holly weird in it. And I'm sorry, it is fucking Holly weird. Like I yeah. said, where you've got these elitist You know, I coming think we through. should just do uh, an episode on the cult of Hollywood. Well, we've been doing it now every month. No, I mean, like, just, <laughs> just Hollywood. Because every, mo- every cult that we've done has had... Hollywood people and celebrities in it, you know, and that's what they're after. They're after the name recognition Mm -hmm. and things like that. But, but they're also after those broken people and who better than. Yeah. Well, no. So they started getting into kids and this was the crazy part because like families are bringing their kids to this, uh, this thing. And then also got me the social, like the the courts courts. were sending them kids and it's like, (laughs) well, and this goes to the whole thing that like, they didn't know what to do. Yes. With it's true. These people, I, true. I hate saying yeah. these people. Like but whenever you say they, these people, they didn't nothing know what to works do with out them. with it. You know, Dean agrees. So, Synanon rebranded itself in the 1970s from a drug treatment program mm-hmm. to a psychotherapy program yeah. and started attracting middle class people through the Synanon game, says sociologist Richard Offshe who spent time in the organization studying it as a non-resident. By the early 1970s, some 3,400 squares in California, New York, and Detroit were paying cash to participate in games. 
It was the heyday of the human potential movement when Americans were rushing off to therapist couches, religions like the Divine Light Mission, alternative communities like Esalon, and cults like the People's Temple and Synanon, many of which began in California. So this is all happening, culminating at the same time. Oh, yeah. Diedrich would often say Synanon was an experimental society, or as he put it when he was deposed by Morantz, an ever-changing group with ever-changing goals, thrusts, directions, and so on. After Diedrich moved to Marin County. It's a giant nothing sandwich right there. (laughs) He probably learned that from L. Ron Hubbard. Maybe. And um, after Diedrich moved to Marin County, he started wearing overalls. And that's how the trend spread to where overalls were all but mandatory. When Diedrich quit his three-pack-a-day habit in 1970, he decreed that everybody else should quit too. A decision that had a financial benefit because Synanon had been spending $250,000 a year on cigarettes. Oh my God. Back when cigarettes were 20 cents a pack. (laughs) A greater financial benefit arrived in 1974 when the organization was granted religious status by the federal government. The idea came from Diedrich's consigliere, attorney Dan Garrett, who saw a benefit beyond the tax advantages. Being a religion might mean Synanon wouldn't need to be licensed. He also pointed out that it would, quote, eliminate a number of silly questions such as when do they graduate? Why do they have to obey? Nobody graduates from a religion. Naturally, Diedrich loved the idea, as did the Synanon board. Why which not? Unanim- unanimously approved the plan. Though on one copy of Garrett's proposal, someone wrote, who will be God? <laughs> If the first phase of Synanon was about curing addiction, the second phase was about creating a utopian community for the middle class. And that always works. The third phase was all about the money, baby. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, a utopian society is not going to build itself, babe. Synanon adopted the slogan, quote, the people business. And what a business it was. By the end of 1976, it had assets worth. million with $8 million in annual revenue coming largely from its specialty advertising division as well as a mortgage business one member had donated and cash contributions from Squares. Synanon owned a 5,500-acre property, including the six-story Del Mar Club in Santa Monica, which is now the Casa Del Mar Hotel, a cluster of nearby apartment buildings, three large compounds in Marin County and another in Badger, California, which also had an airstrip. Add to that a fleet of 200 cars, 400 motorcycles, 62 freight trucks, 20 boats, 12 airplanes, along with a million dollars invested in the stock market. They also acquired a large industrial building in Oakland. Okay. And they transformed it into a residential facility for its members. Uh, Outsiders were permitted to attend the game there as well. California, the state, yeah. donated a block-long building in San Francisco. Nice. Yeah, yeah. In 1977, Diedrich was drawing an annual salary of $100,000, which is roughly $400,000 by today's money, mm-hmm. and received a $500,000 <clears throat> 
pre-retirement bonus. Oh, good for him. He's looking at the future. Quote, a lot of guys could do this thing from an old Ford Roadster and sit on an orange crate. They're holy men. I'm not. I need a $17,000 Cadillac, he told Time Magazine that year. <laughs> Did you ever play King of the Mountain when you were a kid? He went on to say, I like King of the Mountain. I won. I won. I was the firstest with the mostest. I was the smartest. I was older than the rest of the guys. I won. I won. The gang does not expect me to, well, let me, let me say this terribly unforgivable thing that is true of all people in position. I'm not bound by the rules. I make the rules in very peculiar ways. And it's hysterical. He said that on an interview. To Time, Time Magazine. Magazine. Yeah. And then when they call him out on it, he's like, hey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they called him a kooky cult. Yeah, yeah. One so, rule. Don't cross Charles Diedrich. So yeah. when the San Francisco Examiner called Synanon the racket of the century, the organization sued forcing the Hearst-run newspaper to pay $600,000 and run a front-page apology. Synanon later sued a local ABC station, which settled, and Time Magazine, which called Synanon a kooky cult in that 1977 story yeah. when the guy professed to be king of the mountain. He won! Yeah. He won! Yeah. So in the meantime, babies there were taken from the parents. Oh, it gets even and, worse. And they're raised in what's called the hatchery. Fucking and a. mothers who wanted to see their kids too much were called head suckers. Yeah. Children were reared communally in the uh, Synanon school where eventually they wrote essays on Diedrich telling everyone what to do. Um, they uh, changing partners, child. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, ch childliness and fighting the holy war, quote yep. unquote, um, which was interesting with the changing partners thing, because uh, when his wife ultimately died, that's when he came up with. And the, he was like, oh, you know what? Uh, what was it? Every oh, three I'm, years. I'm getting, I'm getting know, into that. Yeah. So. He liked to threaten reporters. Well, Times, he threatened anybody that didn't Times editor-in-chief was stopped outside his apartment by two men with shaved, he shaved heads who told him, we're going to ruin your life. Quote, I don't know what these people might do, Diedrich said to a television reporter. I don't know what action they might take against the people responsible, their wives, their children. Bombs could be thrown into odd places, into the homes of some of the clowns who occupy high places in the Times organization. This guy said this to a reporter. Oh, yeah. Synanon had a private security force and formed a paramilitary group, because that always works out well, called the Imperial Marines. Well, every group needs a paramilitary group. <sighs> Apparently. Yeah. And they developed their own type of martial arts. Yeah. Sindo. Sindo, yeah. And by 1978 amassed an arsenal of hundreds of guns. Quote, we're concerned about the rising crime rate, a Synanon newsletter explained. If trouble should occur, we're prepared to handle it. I mean, if we create trouble, we can fix it. Yeah, yeah. But if anything, Synanon was increasing the crime rate. In 1975, three members admitted to assaulting a Marin County rancher. Diedrich hailed them as heroes. Another rancher was pistol-whipped. 
In Santa Monica, Sinanites beat up two black couples who had parked their car at a Sinanon apartment building. Nonviolence, Diedrich said at a press conference, quote, was just a position. We can change positions anytime we want to. Well, and the reason the ranchers were uh, beat up is because they were near the compound of where Sinanon was, and they were helping people escape. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a bit of a backstory to that. They weren't just going around and just beating ranchers cuz, you know. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they did. No, but it was specifically with the two you're mentioning there. Um, they were helping escapees, basically. Good on them. And, uh, yeah, but, yeah, no, crime did escalate with the Synanon folks, uh, and they just got aggressive towards anybody that didn't agree with them, period. So Mr. Sinanon here often delivered his positions through endless monologues broadcast to Sinanon facilities, quote, over the wire, a low power FM radio station. In 1976, Diedrich decreed that members should stop having kids saying, quote, I think children are a very bad investment. The long rant betrayed an astonishing contempt for his followers. Quote, all the dummies, you, 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 all of you, you all just sit there. And as this organization gets richer and fatter and more fun to be in and more powerful, you love that. But you're all alike. You're all alike. You sit there mum when I make these speeches. It revealed, too, how Diedrich saw himself. Quote, I've done exactly like the rest of the guys that run the world. I could have run a state, a country, a city. It doesn't make any difference. I'm one of those guys. I know that magic. And the no children mandate? Women were encouraged to have abortions. Quote from Mr. Diedrich. Having an abortion is like squeezing a boil, nothing more. Oh, I heard a different one. Squeezing a football. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, Men were pressured into getting vasectomies. 80 such operations took place in 1976. Quote, there were literally endless, ongoing, intense attack sessions going on focused on males who refused to get vasectomies, said, says Offshay. As soon as they gave in, they'd walk into the next room and there were doctors yeah, waiting doctors to give them waiting. vasectomies. See, now, here's where I'm going to pause a moment. I'm all for it. I'm yeah, all for it at that point. Yeah, because now you can't spread your shit to anybody else. Exactly. You're going to get the dumb son of a bitch that walks, you know, along the side of the road or that idiot uh actor that wants to you know immerse themselves in a different experience um you know go for it you know but at that point i was reading i was like you know what this is the first thing i agree with (laughs) if you're volunteering yeah you know i hey good on you good on you go for it so (laughs) sounds great (laughs) phil ritter who was in Mm -hmm. synanon was disturbed by the mass sterilization And when he spoke against it in a game, they told him the general reaction was essentially, if you don't want to do it, pack your bags. He went to the Marin County Sheriff's Office thinking surely there had to be a law against that sort of thing. There isn't. The authorities informed Synanon attorneys who told Ritter not to come back, leaving his wife and child behind. The next big role was handed down after Betty died in 1977, and this is what you were alluding to. Diedrich was 64, wanted to remarry. I sent up a flare, like any monarch of old times would have done, he told reporters. I let the word out. I was available. Of the six women who applied for the opening, Diedrich chose Ginny Shorin, a 31-year-old teacher at one of Synanon schools. Shortly thereafter, Diedrich decided that marriage should no longer be permanent. Couples were told to split up, form new, three-year-long 
love matches, and within days, 230 couples had filed for divorce. Among the people filing was Ritter's wife. Making matters matters worse, Sinanon was also restricting how often Ritter could visit his three-year-old daughter, so he filed a motion to be allowed to see her more. And one day, as Ritter was returning home from the supermarket, two young men approached him. Without saying a word, they beat him with wooden mallets, leaving him on the ground, bleeding with a fractured skull. They didn't even take his wallet. The attack was among at least 18 that the California Attorney General's office eventually linked to Synanon. Paul Morantz always wanted to be a writer, but a girlfriend had convinced him to go to law school as a backup. He had success in fields, writing for magazines like Rolling Stone and a made-for-TV movie, but he gained even more distinction as an attorney, suing a group of nursing homes that were kidnapping homeless alcoholics, shooting them up with Thorazine, and collecting Medicare and Medicaid for treating them. The nursing home case was all-consuming. He planned to get back to writing, but in June 1977, he received that call from Ed Wynn. So here's the story behind that. Ed's wife, Frances, had a history of psychosis. When Ed noticed that she appeared to be on the verge of another episode, he planned to take her to a treatment center later, after he returned from work. So before leaving, he told her to go to the Venice Family Clinic for a tranquilizer to hold her over. The clinic, however, suggested Francis go to Synanon. She went, thinking she was going in for a simple counseling session. But within minutes of walking through the doors, she found herself being shorn by someone with an electric razor, She was screamed at as part of the game, told her husband didn't want her, and that only Synanon could help. The next day, Frances was shipped by bus to a facility in Tamales Bay. This, she was told, was her new home. Ed had no idea. When he went to visit her, thinking she was still in uh, Santa Monica, he was informed that he couldn't see her for 90 days. And that's when Morantz was like, he called one of his contacts at the Department of Public Health and asked what Synanon was licensed for. The voice on the other end of the phone dropped to a whisper. Synanon is not licensed, he said. How can it not be licensed, asked Morantz. We don't understand it either, the health official said, and they don't let us in. Back in the 60s, when Synanon was charged with running a hospital without a license, Governor Pat Brown signed a law clarifying that Diedrich's brand of drug treatment wasn't medical care per se and didn't need a license, but the bill didn't specify anything about treating mental illness, which meant Synanon could be in trouble for taking in Francis. Morantz pressured Synanon to release her. When he and Edwin went to pick her up, they saw a sea of people with shaved heads and overalls smiling. It gave Morantz goosebumps. Something was seriously wrong. Quote, I had a sense, Morantz recalls to this interviewer, that everything in the 31 years of my life that had happened previously was all pointed toward this moment, this time, that this was going to be the test that I think I always wanted to have. Morantz effectively declared war on Synanon that day, and Synanon responded in kind. Rumor had it that Diedrich could be heard over Synanon's private radio network ranting, quote, who is this guy, Morantz? Why doesn't someone break his legs? In a recording of a speech later seized by the LAPD, Diedrich fumed, we're not going to mess with the old time, turn the other cheek religious posture. We're going to, our religious posture is, don't mess with us. You can get killed, dead, physically dead. We either have a good thing here or we don't. 
And if we have a good thing here, then we're not going to permit people like greedy lawyers to destroy it, end quote. To this day, there's a disagreement over whether Diedrich ordered the violence per- perpetrated by Synanon members or merely stoked their rage. Former Synanon attorney Philip Burdett insists it was the latter, that he just stoked their rage. But three declarations written in 1983 by three Synanon officials in exchange for immunity from prosecution stated that Imperial Marines prepared a quote-unquote hit list of Synanon enemies that was approved by Diedrich's assistant, Walter Louvel. The hit list included former Synanon president Jack Hurst, whose guard dog was found hanged, by the way, Phil Ritter, and Paul Morantz. They alleged that Security Chief Art Warfield had directed Imperial Marine Joe Musico, a Vietnam vet, to find a hitman to kill Morantz. When Musico found the job would cost $10,000, Synanon executives deemed the price too high and ordered the Marines to take care of Morantz themselves. In a subsequent... We must say it's not the real Marines. <laughs> no, it's, it's the their, Imperial Marines. It's the Imperial Marines. The okay. Just to give some Marines respect here. <laughs> In a subsequent des- uh, deposition, Diedrich claimed to have a, quote, very dim memory in 1977 due to a series of strokes, he said, but most of what Synanon did in 1977, at least what I knew about, I approved of, because as I pointed out before over and over again, I'm one hell of a good executive and not too much ever went on in the organization that I ran that I didn't approve of. I don't know everything that went on, of course. Now, that's just the funniest part. It's like, that's a <laughs> statement from him, from a news person. Like, could you imagine, like, like people are going nuts over Elon Musk right now. Yeah. And, yeah. like. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, like, this is what we grew up with. I know. This is what, like, people have to understand about Gen X. It's like, we grew up with this shit, man. This was the shit we saw on, on TV, TV. All the time. All the time. And we were like. Yeah. Fucking stupid. This is why I wanted to bring up a lot of this shit, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of this shit with cults and all that. We were sitting there, just temporary break. We're we're sitting there uh, in the cabin, and um, Topher's nephew starts uh, asking. He goes, yeah, there was this documentary on Netflix. He's like, it was fucking crazy, you know. I was like, what's that? He goes, oh, it's somewhere down in, in Texas. He's like, in um you know, there was like this compound and like the government was there and they had to do this big raid. And I was like, Waco, Waco. Texas. And he goes, I don't know if it's that. And I was like, no, I'm like, it's Waco, it's Texas. Waco, Texas. I was like, it's the Branch Davidians. I'm like, we did an episode with it on a podcast, but I was like, there was this other part of it. And to- Topher turns, he goes, yeah, we were, uh, we, we were, watched we it. watched it on we TV. We watched it burn. And it was so funny because like the disconnect was hy- hysterical. He's like, yeah, that was insane. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Topher and I were like, yeah, we know how insane it was. You know, like when you like, turned on the nightly news, yeah. day 16, oh, no. it was like day 14 of the um, no, and he goes, <laughs> No, and he goes, yeah, it was like crazy. It was like a couple weeks, right? I was like, no, it was like two months. Yeah. I was like yeah. every day yeah. on the TV. It was like day whatever. Yeah, the, and they'd uh, have like yeah. the, the number on yeah. there, like day, day 42 of the siege, you yes. know, and it's like. I was like, and that was happening on real TV. You know, I'm like, you're watching this. That was the news. The standoff. The news would be short. They'd tell you kind of the things they had to oh, tell you. Oh, these are you. the other things that are happening these in are the, the world. These are the things that are going, but back to back Waco. To Waco. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, man, you know, and, 
And there, and you know, he's like, Jesus, that was crazy. I'm like, yeah. And that was just one of them. I was like, yeah. there was a ton of them. It, the um, not seizures like Ruby that. Ruby Ridge but. happened. Yeah. And then Waco was like, yeah, right after. Well, that's why the ATF got a bad rap because yeah. they're already bruised and banged up from, from Ruby Ridge. Ruby Ridge, and then yeah. fucking bing, this happens, and you know. What a childhood, man. Yeah, man. It's I just mean, great, you know. Wait, there's more. Oh, cool, because, you know, the government's doing a, a slam dunk job now. <laughs> so, so glad that's over. According to the three declarations, Lubel was the one who directed Musico and Alan Hubbard to attack Phil Ritter. Uh, sorry, Phil Ritter. And Lubel, who ordered Musico and Lance Kenton, the son of jazz musician Stan Kenton, to travel to L.A. and plant the rattlesnake in Marantz's mailbox. The day after the attack, police arrested Musico and Kenton. A month later, L.A. prosecutor John Watson and 30 law enforcement officials descended on Sinanon's new $1 million compound in Lake, in Lake Havasu to arrest Diedrich on the charge of conspiracy to commit murder. They found him, according to Watson, in a stupor, staring straight ahead, an empty bottle of Shivas Regal in front of him. He was so drunk that he had to be carried to jail on a stretcher. In 1980, Diedrich pre, uh, pleaded no contest to conspiracy to commit murder. He was fined $10,000, sentenced to five years probation. Morantz agreed to let Diedrich avoid prison time owing to his poor health mm-hmm. and barred from having any affiliation with Synanon. Absent its charismatic leader, the group floundered. The IRS revoked their tax-exempt status and ordered Synanon to pay $17 million. In the lengthy court battle that ensued, Morantz provided hundreds of documents he'd unearthed that implicated Diedrich and other Synanon officials in criminal acts. Those documents became the foundation of Morantz's book on Synanon from Miracle to Madness. The court uh, finally ruled against Synanon in 1984, finding that it had a, quote, policy of terror and violence and a practice of diverting, quote, corporate resources for the enrichment of individuals, Diedrich. Mm -hmm. Synanon declared bankruptcy and in 1991 formally dissolved, though a branch carries on in Germany. Phil Ritter eventually reunited with his wife and daughter after they left Synanon in 1978. Morantz still lives in the Pacific Palisades, and at 72, he has neuropathy, arthritis, and a blood disease he believes may be an artifact from the snake bite attack. Quote, I'm going to set the record, he tells me, for the longest murder ever. After being convicted, Diedrich moved with his wife, Ginny, into a double-wide mobile home in Visalia. He died in 1997, a few weeks shy of his 84th birthday. He was saluted on the floor of the House of Representatives by Bay Area Congressman and future Oakland Mayor, Ron Dellums, quote, Diedrich distinguished himself in the area of drug rehabilitation and amassed great wealth before his organization was associated with violence and tax problems, declared Dellums. His approach to rehabilitating drug addicts has become a major paradigm for drug recovery and therapeutic communities the world over. Yeah. That's synonym. Yeah, and, and, I mean. And nutmeg. You know. You sit there and you say, you know, was it a success or not? Obviously not. Uh, it's debatable. You know. <laughs> no, I mean, the early Synanon, uh, a lot of observers will declare it a success. Yeah. You know, it gets that yeah. kind of press. Um, but they were also early critics who claimed that, you know, the success only applied to those who remained in the environment. Right, yeah. Where no drugs uh, were pushed by peers. Yep. 
or in the case of what they called like the old timers, the ones yeah. that were in there a long time, had reached uh, like a saturation point. Um, new drug rehabs that came afterwards uh, followed the advice of um, a doctor who wrote like a first book on uh, Synanon. And he noted uh, psychological testing revealed Synanon members like the dope fiends were, all, you know, still antisocial. And recommended that the game's fierce attack on the self be lightened over time. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like this weaning thing that he was trying to do. And that uh, psychological counseling be giving along with follow-up care to those who exit. So there was kind of like this exit strategy type thing. Right, yeah. You know, this is like the evolution of, you know, basically what you're looking at is rehab care. You know, drug rehab care. Um, You know, basically, Diedrich refused all these uh, suggestions. They were presented to him. Yeah. Like, look, you know, if you, you do this, it'll work. And he's like, what do you know? You know, got all boomer. And uh, <laughs> he's the king of the, of the mountain, yeah, man. Yeah. He won. <laughs> you know, um, so this doctor that gave him all those recommendations, uh, he went on to, fi- you know, found a day top in New York, you know, so yeah. his shit didn't work out either. Right. Um, but it was the birth of modern day drug rehabs. You know, mm-hmm. people can say what they want, but like Synanon is the uh, the forefather, the granddaddy of all the the drug rehabs. Um, and that's right. What's really weird gotta... is it's not even the only like drug rehab cult. No, no, there's a bunch of them. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, God, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, no, this you know the cults are. Like I said, it, it usually starts with a good idea, and then the problem is you get humanity in there. And humanity, if not, you know, here's what happens when, you know, I'm going to say it real temporary and I'm going to be quick about it, but this is what happens when you put a person, a, a physical person, at the top of the chain. Yes. You know, so even, uh, you know, if you want to knock Christianity or Buddhism mm-hmm. or, or any of that, it's, it's not a... Th- it's not a physical person that's alive on the top. Right. It's, yeah. it's something higher than that. Yes. And, and, and you've got to achieve that higher mm-hmm. sense of spiritualism, you know, so. And one could even argue that the person at the head of those, at least in Christianity, mm-hmm. is not just one being. Yeah. It's. It's three it's yeah it's three beings yeah but even like the physical person say like the priest or the bishop or the pope yeah you're not they all funnel up to Mm -hmm. that you know so uh you know they're just a they're just conduits yeah they're a a conduit in that sense and it's the same thing in and other you know spiritual endeavors of that sort and those have a longer marketable success the moment you have a person and that person is a deity you're fucked Yes. End of story. Yeah. It's just not going to work any other way. And, so, um, you know, basically, I mean, this failure of teaching, you know, it teaches us more, you know, than whatever its success had. You know, this failure, though, spurned an industry. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, brainwashing is powerful enough to cure drug addiction while members remain subject to it. Uh, It can also make dangerous criminals out of good people also subject to it. Um, You know, you can look at that way. And this is where you get into coercive uh, persuasion or, you know, the psychology of uh, totalism. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And this is, you know, the whole brainwashing bit of it. But the tough part with brainwashing is you got to keep brainwashing. Right. You got to stay in the washer. Yeah. You know, and you can't take the brain out and you can't get out because the moment you get out, then you're really broken. Yeah. Um, And, you know, basically Synanon is a trade trade of one addiction for another. Yeah. That's really all it was. You know, you, you took this thing and I always tell people like when I quit smoking and drinking and all that, it's like there was a crater in my life. Yeah. There was this hole, you know, and I'd look and I was just like, oh my God, you know, mm-hmm. why am I so nervous or why am I, mm-hmm. why am I fidgety? Why, mm-hmm. why can't I relax right now? And then it's like, oh yeah, I used to smoke a cigarette right now. Right. So, yeah. all right, let's, let's ask the real dangerous question. Why am why? I fidgety right yeah. now? Why am I anxious? You know, and that's, that's really how you're supposed to treat all of that stuff. Some people need help. Others don't. Right. Others are okay with it. But, you know, this basically, uh, all these uh, kind of famous jazz musicians at the time that were credited with, you know, a cure, they all returned to drugs. Yeah. You know, yep. I mean, so it never really worked. And then you've got Synanon's ultimate biggest critic was Diedrich himself. Yeah. Knowing away from the environment people were using, he closed the doors in 1967, ended the idea anyone should ever leave. Yeah. You know, containment was instituted. It's a tough deal. Like yeah. I said, you got to keep the brainwash going. Um, that's the problem with brainwashing. Uh, and this meant no contact with the outside world. Right. Typical cult shit. Yep. Uh, declared they were better than the world and through his experimentation. Typical cult shit. Yep. Uh, you know, Synanon would lead the human race in the 21st century. You know, and uh, to keep people in, he posted and announced as a warning all reports of anyone who left and returned to drugs. You know, so you're just stuck. You're trapped. And um, it's just going to lead to a fate. But it's amazing. They would possess their own fleet of trucks. You mentioned this a bit earlier, but it just needs reiterating. They, They would possess its own fleet of trucks and automobiles, hundreds of motorcycles, a mini armada of 21 boats, a squadron of 10 airplanes and its own airstrips. Its members believed in Synanon enemies and encroachment of spies created their own words called Synanese. Saw isolation from outside contaminants and committed uh, to its destiny. Synanon became a third sector within the United States border seeking to have its embassy in Washington, D.C. It's unreal. Yeah. And then ultimately it purchased an arsenal of high-powered weapons, developed its own security force, and in an isolated concealed valley across its airfield called Depot Flats, which you mentioned Mm -hmm. before, it set up camp to train these Imperial Marines. And then basically they just went to fucking war. That's, it's, it's nuts. Got a little story for you. Yeah. When you were on your big vacation. Oh my goodness. So Dean and I, on my lunch break, yeah. we do a little walkabout. Yeah. We call it checking the perimeter. Yeah. I don't even know what day it happened. But, like, everything was fine one day, and the next day we're walking in the house behind us. Mm-hmm. The woman has an angel statue garden. Like directly behind us. Yeah. 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 An angel statue garden. Yeah. Like 
angel statues are they're 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 cute they're pretty yeah but not 10 of them all together is it still up it's her garden it's her garden of angels in the front yard yeah oh, i gotta check that out you can't miss it <laughs> Well, I haven't been here. I was, Too I, busy getting speeding tickets. Dean and I are looking at each other, and I was like, I don't know, buddy. I was like, you know, angels are a cool thing, but that's a lot of angels. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> She's got some of them laying, like some of them are laying on the ground, and they're just staring yeah. at the angels in front of them. Yeah. It's just weird. Like the angels are staring at each other. They're all the same color gray. See, I got to check this out, and then we got to, I guess, continue on the next episode. It's Is it's that... a lit. I'm I'm waiting to see if if they grow, you know, oh. if, if we go from, I think we're at yeah, like say ten, yeah, you know, do we get to fifteen and like yeah. what's the cutoff? Yeah, you know. Remember when we were looking at houses, and there was that one house where we went in that bedroom upstairs, oh, that fucking doll or the dolls plural i'm not even talking about that i'm talking about the room that had the crosses everywhere oh my god <laughs> I I you, remember, and we we're and like, was nope. like what happened in here yeah yeah there's something <laughs> up with this room yeah yeah i mean even you know myself like i'm not you too were full atheist at that I, time yeah and you yeah. and i just looked at each other and i was like yeah no i didn't want to I was like, you can, good luck with this house. Right, yeah. Good luck. It was a beautiful yeah. house. Old house. I remember It had that. a lot of great features. It was gorgeous. Yeah. And then that happened. But it was nothing like the mannequin yard on the way to your sister's. That, I I would have to say that was the that most That was the most thing. disturbing thing I've ever seen. This guy had three female mannequins dressed. Uh... It was more than three. No, it was, it was, well, no, there the was a th lot. The three that were dressed yeah. together, mm -hmm. you know, like Charlie's Angels. Yeah. yeah but and there they was... were all in like various mini yeah, there outfits. Was, there was a lot. There was a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. And I was explaining to Lindsay that like three of them he had all dialed up. And Lindsay turns and she goes, that's his family. And yeah. I was like, uh -huh. Uh -huh. that's even creepier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the only reason we saw it was because they had had the blizzard and the throughway was yeah, closed. Yeah, we had to go and we around. Had to, and we had yeah. to go. Oh, no, I remember. Do you remember? Merka, yeah. the huge flag yeah. that was bigger than the barn that was. <laughs> that, thing, that was a big was, fucking flag. It had to be custom. I... You know, but here's the problem with me is like, I see something like that with the mannequins and like my dumb ass just wants to stop and like, who lives there? You know, is it Buffalo Bill? Yes. Or is it like crazy, crazy mom? You know, is it just some eclectic weirdo? You no, know, that's, that's a guy who's, who's on a path. Who's collecting parts. Yes. Or it will be. Yes. Soon. Yeah. Yes. You think so? Uh-huh. I mean, odds are really good. You yeah. Know? I mean, I'm not trying to downplay it at all. <laughs> My true crime obsession has taught me anything. Oh, geez. Every <laughs> every true crime follower thinks they're the expert of 
every fucking crime imaginable. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, when they go through, like, their, um, the traits that are common among the serial killers, they don't have the mannequin collector as one of those traits because... It's a given. Nobody fucking collects mannequins. So, like, it's not even... Can't say nobody. I know, because this guy... And well, we don't even know if it's a guy. Let's okay. You know that resident, that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had uh, full mannequins, mannequins missing mm-hmm. Parts. limbs. Yeah, a lot didn't have heads. That yeah. was alarming. No, there was a lot of them there. Yeah, there was over. I'd say like twenty in the yeah. whole yard. Yeah, and they were all just out but on display, three impeccably dressed. Yeah. No, and then with the, heads. The other ones were broken. Uh-huh. So you wonder, like, how long did those three have before he, they oh snapped? Oh, my gosh. You know? They were, like, yeah, Hugh Hefner. They were yeah. his, his play bunnies. Yeah. Those were his bunnies. He had his three bunnies. Everybody else it's didn't make the cut. The scrap heap. They yeah. said, they said so or one did point, something. So at one point, they're going to screw up. Those of course, yeah. You know. I I would. We should drive by. I there. was gonna say, there's a part of me that's like, yeah. we should go. We by. should go by there. What's I mean, that? there is an opportunity coming up. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. I can't make it to that. I though, know because of the cat. Yep. You know, she needs her fourteen meals a day. Our little hobbit cat. It's a fourth <laughs> breakfast. Yeah. Can I have potatoes? <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, that's cinnamon and. Toast crunch. It's catchy, right? It really is. It's got a hook to it. I like it. When it comes to spices, I prefer to have nutmeg with my cinnamon. With your cinnamon? Yeah. Yeah. You got to have. When you're gaming? Yeah. When you're gaming, you want some, some nutmeg? Yeah. The for, nut- for it, it good enhances gaming? the flavor of the cinnamon. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you take enough nutmeg, man. You, you, you're synonymous already. You're gaming. You're gaming hard. Yeah. All by yourself. Synonym. Toast crunch. All right. Well, folks, thank you so much for sticking with us on another episode of yeah. Oh the Horror. Thanks for putting uh, us in your ear holes. Yeah. And um, again, I just can't ever get over it. The numbers keep climbing. So you're all aboard. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, thank you so much. We love I you. I hope we didn't lose you with our synonym. <laughs> we love you so much. And uh, uh, What do we got coming up well, next week? Hold on quick. Okay. Just uh, another thing. You know, we, we pinched it off when some of you listened, and we were very, uh, very pleased with it. Uh, if you can go on to Apple Podcast or Spotify, if you're on those two, and even if you're listening to a different platform, mm-hmm. if you could just go on Apple Podcasts, find our podcast, and give us five stars if you're a loyal yeah. follower, um, that would really, really help the podcast out. It does. Um, you know, if you're anti-Apple, I get it. I understand yeah. it. But if you really want to help Frank and Jen and Oh the Horror Podcast- For free. For free. Costs you nothing. For free. Go to Apple Podcasts. For free? Yep. Find our podcast. You know it. You've been listening to it. Yeah. And just give us five stars. You don't have to comment eh. and have an account or anything. You know, just just eh. give us the five just stars. Just lean in. 
And uh, it really, really does help a lot. Unfortunately, that's the current situation we're in. Um, I've often thought about just trying to funnel everybody over to the website um, because there's some new developments coming up that I got to actually update you on with our hosting platform. Yeah, I get Uh, the emails. Yeah, so there's some some big changes there. Uh, But, yeah, please, if you can... Mm-hmm. Stroll over to Apple or uh, Apple and Spotify. If I could be greedy, Appleify uh, us. Yeah, and Appleify <laughs> us with five stars. We'd appreciate it. But uh, but even more than that, you know, please recommend uh, our podcast to your friends or any other fanatics that you would uh, think could be uh, in the club. And in uh, the club, yeah, in the club, yeah. We'll do some gaming. <laughs> <laughs> so sure next we week, will. what do we got? Guys, I just want to tell you right now, we've got a really good couple of months coming up. Like we, I'm I'm pretty jazzed yeah. and we start out next week with MK Ultra. I know. Which it's been too long. It truly has, yeah. but I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm super jazzed yeah. for that one. MK Ultra is a crazy topic. It, yeah, it really, really is. Um, I'm talking to you, Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't know what yeah. I'm talking about. You're gonna find no, out. No, you're gonna next find week. out. Yeah, no, MK Ultra is. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, which I would be shocked if anybody listening to us on the regs yeah. uh, doesn't know it's about it. It's been referenced uh, in episodes we've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I remember we had it lined up for uh, season one. We did. And it got kicked out because yep. we had a couple of fan requests. So yep. MK Ultra took the curb. And then, you know, season two, we were so into uh, this kind of different track of things. Yeah. And we didn't even really look at it on the list. And then. Uh, no. Yeah. We and, didn't look at what yeah. I. I When we started the podcast, I had a list. Mm-hmm. And that's how we built that first year and yeah. this has been on my list since i wrote my list yeah so yeah i'm pretty excited i love to check things off my oh, list oh yeah no so june's <laughs> looking pretty nice we got mk so is july we got mk ultra next week and then um you know again spoiler alert but you saw it coming we're closing up our scientology yes uh series with the uh fair game but don't after- worry you're getting another cult episode. Yeah, no, so. that's uh, so we always stick with the traditional cult of the month, and this one's uh, going to be a really sweet surprise. Yeah, and um, then uh, you know, July we got such great feedback on music. July from a birthday month, you it's know, your birthday yeah, month. Yeah, so everything's following around music or music artists yep. or the music scene, things like that. So, and I'd like to very much keep that going. Oh as yeah, the theme for but what's, July. What's sweet with July is uh, July's five weeks, so we got five episodes. Oh, there's some for good July. ones, guys. So we're, uh, I'm pretty jazzed. Yeah, we're looking really forward to it. So again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we love you. And uh, with that being said, rule number one. No VG sports. Number two. No dolls, especially not several of them in the same room. And if you're going to show your house, put your freaking dolls away. Yeah, or put like blankets over them or something like that. Just just put them away, yeah. especially if you have your house up for sale. 
you you're gonna have to pack them eventually. Yeah. Pack those fuckers first. Yeah, yeah. First. Do yourself a favor before you call the realtor. Exactly. I can't get over the realtor. That's just like that cool takes with the freaking picture. Yeah. Like, I would be like, no, you got to get this shit out of yeah, here now. Do you want to sell this house or not? You yes. Know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Let alone the ones that do the open house with the dolls. Yeah. In there, it's yeah. like they gotta go. Yeah. They gotta go. Number three. No capes. Four. You know, I say no capes. I own two. Yeah. No blood rituals. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. No cults. Satanic rules. I was just trying to think of how many capes I own. <laughs> and I do. You I, do? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you got, you got at least one, maybe two. No, I got like three or five. <laughs> oh, my God. We're such hypocrites. We it's not like I wear them every Exactly. Day. We don't wear them. No. We just have them. <laughs> you well, wanna, hey. Do you want to no. come see my cape collection? That's why we know. That's why exactly. we know no capes. Yeah. We went through all the work for you. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't. Next. <laughs> are we on no cult satanic girl? Or we don't even know where we are. Yeah, we'll, we'll go there. We'll okay. stay there. <laughs> Did we do the blood rituals? I don't know. I don't know. We're stuck on capes. Yeah, yeah. So what is that, six now? Yes. No apathy. <laughs> you need to act to help a positive change in this world and maybe don't have an angel statue garden because yeah. it's creepy. Yeah. And if you got that urge to put some mannequins outside, just refrain. Just don't. Yeah, just, <laughs> just please. Just just don't. Please it's, refrain. It's not a good look for you. No. It's not a good look for the person that sees it. Yeah. Like, no you, one's. You don't unsee that. No one's benefiting from that experience. No. no. You know? Like, I don't know. I almost feel compelled. Like, I need to tell somebody. You know, like. You just did. No, I mean, like. You told people in about 27 different colors. Cool. Now, if one of you could, like, tell someone in a position of authority <laughs> that there's this dude in Leroy. You know what? No. the police out there. You know what? I, Do I'm, a welfare check. I'm going to tell you right now, if if you're cool with it and you got something crazy like a like a uh, an angel garden that you're walking by or a mannequin uh, front yard scene, join the Facebook group. With your picture. And post a picture on there. We'd like to see it. Yeah. Maybe we'll we do. We can all be traumatized together. Yeah, We yeah. can share in the experience. That sounds good. I like it. Next rule. Don't engage with the black-eyed children. No, don't. Or black-eyed people. Yeah. Black-eyed animals. Yeah. I mean, essentially, if there's no whites of their eyes. No whites of the eyes. We really got to get hammered yeah. down on the black eyes yeah. here, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no whites at all. Don't do it as bad. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> Nothing ever goes well. It doesn't. It doesn't. Last but not least. Just listen. Yeah, yeah. But so, if you really want to buy a cape, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you in Capes advance. Capes are fun. You're just not going to have any time when you can wear it. Like, you have Nothing it, and you're really... like, you'd like, I'd love to wear this. Yeah. You can't wear it. Nothing really calls for a cape. No. And if yeah. you do wear it, all of a sudden, people are going to be like, are you okay? <laughs> you know what I was thinking on my last day at work? You're going to wear your cape? No, I was going to wear the Beetlejuice uh, pinstripe suit. That, that would be No sweet. makeup, though. Yeah, just a, no. Just a suit. Yeah. And then I realized how hot it was going to fucking be there. 
Yeah, you couldn't like, even oh. do you couldn't even do the other Beetlejuice. No, even though that's the good one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, we might still have your later hosen if you want to wear that. <laughs> Tell you what, I don't want to throw too much hype, but that old Beetlejuice too is looking pretty sweet. You know, but I'm I'm refraining because yep. I'm, I'm just. I know what. Uh, I, I don't even want to cross my fingers. I don't uh, even really want to hope. No, I don't either. <laughs> You know, I'm just gonna let it happen. Just, yeah, and I'm just gonna let the chips fall we'll, where they we'll may. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> please don't be an angel, Carden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, next week we'll see you up with MK Ultra. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, if you can rate, uh, give us a five star rating, we'd appreciate it. Yep. Tell your friends all about us. Yeah. Share us on your uh, your feeds, you know, yeah. for your related social media or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, just mail a letter to somebody and say, hey, check out this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start mailing what random love, letters out to people. What I love the most is when someone does share, they're like, hey, I know you're into this particular cult. You should check out this episode. And it's one where, you know. We, we do what we do in the cult episode, and they are so brutally offended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How dare you? Yeah. It's like, sorry, but how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm praying for you daily. Yeah, daily. The least you could do daily. is at, at least, least say, try. Thank you and try, <laughs> damn it. The nerve. All right. With that being said, have an amazing day. A lovely week. And maybe make good choices? <laughs> Give it a shot. <laughs> Take care.